And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. And may the 4th be with you. It is Friday, May the 4th. It is Star Wars Day, officially. Um, I'm not celebrating it in any other way. Uh, That's it. I'm not even wearing my obligatory Star Wars shirt, which typically I do. I guess I'm not today, just as a form of very, very, very passive protest. But uh, nonetheless, here we are. It's, uh, It's Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. And it's a big milestone. It is episode 55 of the drop set. So thank you all for listening. Uh, you out there who are listening, you are the reason that we're here because if you weren't listening to this, I wouldn't be doing it. I can promise you that much. So thank you. Um, when I started this back, uh, I don't remember when, but approximately 50 episodes ago. I'm not sure if I imagined that I would make it this far. Um, I knew I had a a goal of, excuse me, of doing this consistently and trying to make it, you know, uh, of the best quality that I possibly could. But uh, I'm not sure how far I thought I would actually make it. So here's to the next 50. Um, we got a lot of stuff to uh, go over um, today. We have one lengthy discussion. I, I call this my master class on show selection. I've talked about how to pick the right show um, a couple of different times, but not necessarily in quite as much depth and detail as um, as this time. And I, I, it was a, a good point of discussion simply because it is one of the most common questions that I get, one of the most common points of confusion for someone who is just starting out. So um, while I think it's good to get a little bit of professional guidance at the early stages of this, a lot of the work is stuff that you can do your own, as long, do on your own, as long as you know where to look and what factors to consider. So I wanted to talk about that today. Also in this episode, um, I've got my typical rant, um, the pet peeve, if you will. This one is very personal. You'll see what I mean. And then uh, Music of the Week, uh, we, we pay tribute um, to a hero of mine. And uh, there, there's an associated playlist for this on Spotify, as there has been in previous weeks as well. This is, I think, possibly the first playlist to, to feature multiple songs in a 7-4 time signature. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. We had a Dream Theater playlist, so it probably did as well. But nonetheless, a little teaser for you there. So listen for those. Um, Let's get the social media business out of the way early on. So um, follow me online, Instagram, at Darren underscore star. Follow me on Twitter, at Darren star. I will be using that more and more. Facebook.com slash five-star physique. Pinterest, five-star physique. YouTube, five-star physique. And Spotify, same damn thing, five-star physique. You can follow me there and check out the playlist that I have, including the one that we are rolling out with this segment today. So uh, things have been extremely busy. I feel like on the social media side of things, I am just slacking lately. And a lot of it is just because I'm really, my clients are keeping me busy. And I, I imagine that there are probably some people out there who hear that and they envision a guy who's uh, like sitting in his mom's basement with his two clients and he's like, yeah, okay, yep, they're fine. All right, let's go back to playing World of Warcraft here. All right. Now they keep me busy. Uh, <laughs> I got a full roster. Um, thankfully though, this is what I do full time. So I'm happy to be busy. I have no issues with that. I have been keeping busy with some other stuff as well. It's, uh, you know, project season is kicking in as the weather gets nicer outside. It's more and more inviting to spend a little time in the shop and spend some time outside working on some, you know, household stuff, landscaping. If you saw anything on Instagram for me last weekend, I got to spend some time with the pressure washer, which is really like the OCD person's tool of choice. I mean, uh, it's impossible for me to say just how satisfying it really is to use that thing. We had some like 
mold-like growth on the driveway. Just I mean, probably like algae or something. I don't know. Oh God, just spraying that crap off. It was like this is. Uh, it was so satisfying. I can't even tell you. This probably sounds vaguely inappropriate right now, so I'm going to move on. Um, I've just been really busy, though, So, um, but it, it's good. So we'll get to more of that momentarily here. Let's talk about some poll results from the website. So there is a new poll up. I would encourage all of you to go vote at 5starphysique.com, please, right on the main page, either on desktop or mobile or on your favorite tablet device. Front page, scroll down um, uh, just below the monochrome header there, and you'll see the poll question last week. Which option best describes your dietary approach? Um, nearly 50%, 48% of people said eat clean, cheat dirty, which I think is, you know, that was kind of my suspicion that that is still um, probably the most prevalent thing. I think if I would have asked this question 10, 12 years ago, uh, instead of 48%, we probably would have been more like 75 to 80%. Um, just because uh, macronutrient-based dieting, it is a real thing. It is legit. There's a lot of coaches out there that don't buy into it, and they say that food selection is everything. And I think they're going to have a harder and harder time convincing people of that um, when more and more people start doing really well in shows um, or just, you know, doing better and having an easier time achieving their goals with a macro-based approach. I think, you know, at this point it is um, commonplace, but I think there's still, based on my conversations with people, there's still a lot of arm twisting involved, getting people to embrace the philosophy of it. So. 48% eat clean, cheat dirty. Um, uh, nearly 30% on top of that. So now we're, we're approaching that 75% mark between the two of these options. Flexible dieting, but mostly clean, which I think is probably the most responsible way to do it. We did have 10% of people who said flexible dieting with as much crap as I can make fit. I kind of go back and forth between that option and the mostly clean flexible dieting option. There are some times where I'm like, you know what? I want some damn Pop-Tarts and some Oreos, but I'm not going to go outside my macro structure to make it happen. So there's certainly some days where I'm like, ooh, we're going to make some Hostess fit in here. This is going to be good. Um, but it's the exception, I would say. More often than not, I keep it mostly clean, mostly clean. Um, another 10% just say they wing it, <laughs> which, you know, probably not the most, uh, the, the structure that's going to be successful for most people, just kind of winging it. But Hey, you know, whatever works. Um, or if it doesn't work and you're okay with that, that's fine too. And then uh, just 5% said eat clean, baby, meaning like not even having a dirty cheat meal, but we got to keep it clean. I have worked with people like that. I always think those people are psychotic. And, you know, it's not to say it's a bad thing, <laughs> but, you know, ugh, you're missing out on a lot of good food. If you just eat clean 100% of the time, it uh, doesn't appeal to me. Uh, that, that sounds more like a prison sentence to me. But uh, again, to each their own. And if it works for you, that is great. Um, there's a new poll online. And this one, you know, th th this is basically like, this, what it's really asking is, are you somebody who is confrontational or not? But what I'm asking is, you know, there's someone in your gym who is notorious for leaving weights racked on machines or bars. Do you... Option A, talk to them and ask them to clean up. Option B, give them a death stare until they look away and then smile and nod, which that's me. Uh, or uh, option C, not even notice because it's probably you that's doing it. Um, which one are you? I mean, basically, are you going to talk to somebody or are you not? 
Um, so I'm kind of coloring the answers here just a little bit to try and make it, you know, I don't know, a little more amusing. But that, that's what I'm curious because it's it's a huge problem in in just about every gym. Certainly more um, more of a problem in some than in others, but it's a problem everywhere you go. So what I'm asking for is, are you taking an active role in trying to fix the problem, or are you being really passive aggressive about it? And just be honest. I am firmly in the passive aggressive camp. I am. I I mean, I won't necessarily. You know, it, I, I will stare a, a hole through somebody with laser beam eyes. And if they notice, if, if they turn and look my way, I'm probably going to hold that stare. And they're going to be like, man, what's wrong with that guy? I, I'm just not about talking to people and being confrontational. I don't like it. I don't like starting conversations with people. You know, if you've listened to this for any stretch of time, you know I'm a big introvert. I don't enjoy social interaction, especially not with people that I don't know. Um, so I, I am firmly in the passive-aggressive camp. Do I wish that I was more of like option A, that it would go up and talk to us? Oh, absolutely I do, but it's just not who I am. It's not in my nature. I've done it before, but it, it, feels, it feels very out of place and forced when I do it. So I'm just curious how many people are like me, how many people are better than me. This is your option. <laughs> this, this is your chance. So go hit it. Um, once again, 5starphysique.com. Scroll down below the main banner. Cast your vote there. That'll be up uh, for a week or so, and then we will, uh, we'll go over the results next week and see who amongst us is uh, passive-aggressive like me. Uh, let's see. Coming up in future episodes, um, it has finally happened. We are going to have some guests on here. I have uh, three interviews on my calendar for the coming week-ish or so. Um, so I'm excited about that. I have had more technical difficulties trying to get this rolling than you can imagine. So my first guest I had on here, you know, some weeks ago, I had my wife on to talk about a playlist. And so that was easy because she was in the same room. I have no short shortage of microphones. So it's very easy for me to pull up a chair and hook up a second microphone here. Cause you know, we have band space. So we got mics coming out our ass here. So I can easily hook up a second microphone and have somebody in the studio here. So if there's anyone in Knoxville that, um, has anything relevant to contribute to a podcast, let me know. I'll invite you over. We'll, uh, we'll have a drink. We can sit and chat and record our BS fest. Um, I'm gonna see if I can get my gym buddy Roger to take me up on that, just because he's a, he's a hoot. I could just let him talk for 45 minutes. Will be the easiest podcast I've ever done. So I've got a few guests lined up. the The, the trick is recording something and then bringing it into the podcast format and having it be. Um, a high enough quality that it's not like a chore to listen to. What I don't want and, and what would be really easy is to, uh, and I, I investigated options to do this and I just wasn't happy with how it turned out, but just to record a phone call, the problem is it sounds like a phone call on both ends. Like I sound like I'm on the phone and the other person sounds like they're on the phone and it sounds like you're having a three-way call with somebody where you can't really understand much of anything very well. So, um, I, I was searching for ways to mimic an ISDN connection where it would sound as though each of us were in the same room. Um, I, I experimented with a couple different services to try and make that work, and I just couldn't get it to the point where it actually worked the way it was advertised. Um, there may have been some technical issues with the way the sound on my PC is hooked up here. That's an entire It's entirely possible. So what I ended up doing was I got a... Uh, you know, if you if you just Google, like go go to YouTube and type in how to record interviews for podcasts, and you will see like this is a common problem that people deal with. So I got a two channel recorder, and I I got to get a special cable and an adapter, and I've got to use Google Voice to make phone calls. Anyway, I got it worked out. It's not going to be exactly the way I want, but it'll be good. Like I'll sound good. The other person will sound like it's on that like they're on the phone. If you've ever listened to like a talk radio show or anything, it's going to sound like one of those. So I'm I'm like you know what I got to cut my losses and just call it good. So. 
I've got it all worked out. I've tested it. It works. So I'll have some interviews um, coming up in future episodes, maybe as soon as next week. We'll see how it goes. Um, so um, that was a big deal. Um, just <laughs> that was a huge, huge op- uh, item to get off of my plate. So um, in my personal life, you know, I alluded to this um, previously, like more projects. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, that's my, my story. My Instagram story is kind of like my clearinghouse for all of my project stuff. So I share a lot of other things in there, but that's kind of like the personal slice of life stuff. So anything from the shop will show up there. I save a lot of the finished projects and my highlights, my story highlights as well. So you can check out what I'm working on. Um, currently I'm building an additional set of cabinets for like a paint station out in the garage. Um, I just started on that, um, in the past 24 hours actually. Um, and I did start, uh, I, I pulled the trigger on, um, the next big project, which is going to be a deck redesign. Our current deck, um, which is, um, on the back of the house, second story, which is, you know, second story from the back, but it's, you know, entry level out front. Um, it's 30 feet long and it's about six and a half feet deep. It's really kind of tiny. I mean, it's not a very usable space. I'm going to extend that so it's going to be 30 feet by about 11 feet. So uh, a pretty big space out there. Um, I'm going to tear down the existing structure to do it um, from the backyard. It's 12 feet off the ground. So I've got to have some big six by six posts. Um, and they have to be, you know, every, everything's uh, up to code. So I've priced it out, and now it's just a question of figuring out when to get everything, when to do the demo, and we're coordinating it, coordinating that around some landscaping that we're getting done out back and along the side of the house as well. And then ultimately, um, under this deck, there will be uh, like a flagstone paver area for a sitting area with a fire pit and all that stuff. Not directly under the deck. That would be a bad idea, but adjacent to it. So uh, anyway, that's some, some big stuff that's uh, that's in the works. Also, on the music front, so we've been staying active with band practice. We have two gigs lined up. Yes, this is for our trio. So um, anybody who's local to Knoxville, come see us. We will be at the Troubadour Lounge and Performance Hall, um, which is in Bearden, and we will be there May 17th, and I believe the other date is June 21st. I will be spamming my social media accounts with that just because, hey, I want you to come see us if you're around the area. So, um It'll be fun. So that's just uh, our, our piano vocal trio. One piano, two vocalists will be performing there for a couple hours each night. Um, we're not doing this to get rich. Uh, <laughs> I will give you a little inside baseball tutorial here. Uh, Troubadour doesn't actually pay us anything for this. We, we go and we play for tips. And, uh, you know, for, for us, you know, initially um, right now because we have so little promotional material like we want to get some photos we want to get some video so we're happy to play a couple gigs and not really make any money out of it and you know it's not really a money-making venture anyway we do it because we love it so we'll be there um uh, two weeks from yesterday i think both of these dates are thursdays actually so thursday at the troubadour in bearden come check us out one last little bit before we get into the business of the week um and delve into the regular segments i just got to talk about tv that i've been watching lately because you know my wife and i we are avid Netflixers slash Amazon Prime video people slash Hulu, whatever. I mean, Hulu kind of pisses me off. Their video streaming quality is terrible. Um, it, it's just not very kind to internet connections that are marginal. And ours definitely has been lately. Um, Amazon and Netflix seem to weather it very well. Hulu just buffers all the time, and it's just a serious pain in the butt. Anyway, um, The Expanse. So if you're fans of science fiction, this is a no-brainer. Um, the Expanse, which is a sci-fi, like the sci-fi network, it is a sci-fi show. Um, 
it is so exceptionally well done. They've just started season three. Um, so we binge watched one and two via Amazon, I believe. Um, and uh, season three now I've got, we're recording it through Sling TV. So we're catching new episodes as they come. Really exceptional stuff. Just so well done. Like the production values are through the roof. It's very much like a kind of like, military slash drama slash uh, noir detective thing set in the future in space. Um, and the, like the the silliness of the sci-fi stuff, like if you're familiar with Star Trek and their overuse of technology to explain things and just make stuff up, very, very limited in this show. It's really more about the characters and the drama and the, uh, the, the politics of these situations. Really well done. Gets off to kind of a slow start in season one, but by the, by the time season two rolls around, it's really, really engrossing, really good stuff. Can't recommend it enough. So anyway, that's all I got there. So we are done with the intro. So let's dig in to the meat and potatoes of the week, shall we? It's time for the airing of grievances. Pet peeve of the week. Okay, yeah, I'm really annoyed now. So the pet peeve of the week, uh, this one, this is all about me. I know I've said that before. Like, you know, these things show more about me than they do about the rest of the world at large or, you know, a problem with you. It's all about what's wrong with my head. Well, this pet peeve is actually about me. Um, so there, there is... <laughs> I was I was in the gym today and it occurred to me because I was thinking like, huh, I haven't really haven't really brainstormed a good idea for for this week's um, pet peeve. What should it be? And then it hit me like a ton of bricks like, oh, duh. OK. And I had a, a little notion right then. I'm like, I need to pull out my phone and write that in a note because I, I know me. Like, I can be like, oh, I'm going to remember that. And then five minutes later, I totally forget, even though it's like completely ironclad in my head, plain as day, like written in the sky. Like, I know what that is. I got it in one word. Oh, here it is. Great. I can remember that. And I just go and sit down to record this segment. I'm like, what was it? And this was like an hour ago. I, I, I knew exactly what it was. It was plain as day. I know about myself that if I don't make a note of something, I don't write it down, I don't jot it on a piece of paper, open up a file on my computer, open up a, a note on my phone, I know it's gone. I, that, that is true for pretty much every facet of my life. You know, if there's something work-related that I've got to do, I've got to write it down or do it immediately. Um, uh, if there's something music-related, like, oh, this would be a great song. If I don't write it down immediately, like I was listening to some of them, I, I recently picked up a bass, and I'm like trying to learn some good bass lines, et cetera, just to play around. And I heard this song on the radio. I'm like, oh, man, I've got to figure out that bass line. That sounds so cool. I will remember that. Did I? Of course not. I still have no idea what it was. Why? Because clearly... I'm an idiot. So this rant is about me and my inability to remember just how dumb I can be at times. It's like I convince myself, oh, that was the old Darren. He used to forget all this stuff. But now, as I get older, clearly my memory is improving. So I'm sure I'm good with it. I don't need to make a note of that. I will remember it. So this is really a reminder for myself, this time in audio form, that I can't do that. So, Darren, if you ever go back and you decide that you're going to listen to your old podcast episodes because you're a glutton for punishment and you really enjoy hearing yourself talk into a microphone for an hour at a time, once you get to this episode, this is just your little slap in the face reminder, no, you're not as smart as you think you are. Your memory is not as good as you think it is. If ever you have an idea about anything, you need to write it down or at the very least tell somebody that you're with. You know, turn to your wife and tell her because she'll remember because she's good with that stuff. 
You are not. So just remember, you're an idiot. This is like the opposite of, of positive self-talk here. I'm just being very realistic, though. Know your strengths. Know your weaknesses. I have a lot of great qualities as a human being. My memory for things like this is not one of them. Get ready to rock. It's Music of the Week. I occasionally do a little bit of research into podcast recording and you know some of the things about how to be uh, a better host, how to put on a more engaging show, et cetera. And one thing that uh, comes up frequently is it doesn't really matter what you talk about as long as you talk about it passionately. And so for Music of the Week this week, that will be uh, no challenge whatsoever um, because once again we are um, rolling out a new playlist here so this is on Spotify just pull up your Spotify go to f- uh, search for five star physique all one word with two R's in there and pull it up and uh, the latest playlist that I have put together this is called the man with the voice and this is a playlist in celebration of my favorite singer um, probably what I would consider to be the best singer of my generation, and I'm a, a, a Gen Xer, so um, you know you can start to put together the pieces here, like who might he be talking about? And uh, a wide range of styles, a uh, singer who has been a solo artist, has been with uh, numerous successful bands, um, and is the one guy where I think about, you know, whenever I hear a cool song, I always think about what would it sound like if Chris Cornell sang that song? And then occasionally I'll go to YouTube and I'll pull up, I'll just say like, maybe there's a bootleg of him singing this in concert or something. And every now and then you strike gold and you hear it and you're like, oh my God, that is the version of the song that I've been waiting to hear. So this is a playlist in celebration of the late, great Chris Cornell who left us last year, sadly. Um, That being said, at this point, because of that, his catalog is complete, so we can really kind of look at it um, as a a career retrospective. So um, he has put out several solo albums. Some of those um, include, uh, oh, what's it called? There was one that was fairly recent, and it was called, I think, Songbook. Am I looking at that right? Yeah, Songbook. And this is just a collection of live performances from you know 2011 for the most part. That's when the album came out. Um, so you can hear some of these great covers in there. Um, and then, of course, he was the singer for Soundgarden. He was the singer for Audio Slave, and he also did some vocal work for the short-lived uh, grunge band Temple of the Dog, which was kind of a super group. Um, and that was put together as a, uh, a memorial for uh, another singer. So, um, and it was just a, a, a one-off. It was an album that was put together with members of Pearl Jam. You can hear him singing um, "Hunger Strike" with Eddie Vedder um, on that song. So, uh, it, re- really interesting songs. I've got one of those tracks on this playlist. It's "Say Hello to Heaven." Uh, it, the, the funny thing about that song, also, it's interesting because with his work. Um, uh, in Soundgarden and in Audio Slave, uh, he was a guy who was always with pair, paired with unconventional guitarists, which I think suits his style very well because his songwriting is so weird. Um, listen to a song like Black Hole Sun, and I mean, if you if you Google the chords for that song, and if you know anything about music, you look at those chords and you're like, there is no reason that song should work. Like, none of those chord changes, none of that progression makes any sense at all, but he makes it work. Um, 
But he always worked with unconventional guitarists, you know, Kim Thale with Soundgarden, Tom Morello with Audio Slave. Um, so hearing him with Mike McCready on that Temple of the Dog album is very interesting because McCready is much more of a traditional blues rock guitarist, um, great in his own right, but a little bit more conventional. He's not going to be writing a song like Spoon Man, basically, is what I'm saying. So, um, you know, so many good songs here. I won't spare you with a, a, a track-by-track breakdown of everything, but... Um, these are ones where I always think like, you know, what are the songs that really showcase this dude's amazing voice? So um, they're all through here. You know, something like Jesus Christ Pose, which is uh, an early Soundgarden track. I once heard that song described as, you know, the first minute is kind of this extended instrumental buildup. And it just sounds so unbelievably chaotic and out of control. And I, I heard somebody once describe that song is where you hear this instrumental buildup and you start thinking, how on earth could anybody possibly sing on top of this? And then you hear him come in and you're like, oh, that's how. I mean, he just takes over that song completely. Um, Slaves and Bulldozers, um, one of my favorite Soundgarden tracks. Um, that is a song that I have used as posing routine music before um, just because it is so unbelievably powerful. Um, his uh, solo stuff, a little, little bit more varied. Um, you know, he's got some that's a little bit, you know, starts to delve into electronica. I don't have any of those songs here. Um, Follow My Way is one from his album Euphoria Morning, which is a great vocal performance. And then one of my absolute favorite songs that he ever did is a cover of Michael Jackson's Billie Jean, um, which he completely reinvented that song top to bottom and did an amazing job with it. That's one of three... Chris Cornell sung tunes that um, my band covers. So I'm a little bit biased. Yes, I know. Um, but we do Billie Jean. We do a version uh, that he recorded of Nothing Compares to You, which was made famous by Sinead O'Connor, but written by Prince. And then we also do a uh, uh, about half of Black Hole Sun as well, just piano and vocal, which is always kind of interesting. So anyway, there you go. That is my rambling introduction to this playlist. Um I, I am absolutely fascinated by this guy. I could listen to him all day long. I know that a lot of you are going to be familiar with a lot of these tracks, but sit down, listen to it. You're going to hear some new stuff in here that you probably haven't heard before unless you are a diehard fan like me, and it is something that is absolutely worth your time to sit down and listen to. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. I know I have discussed this topic in the past, but it's always been kind of a piecemeal discussion where we talk about, you know, certain elements of it. And I wanted to throw together a, a little bit more of a comprehensive uh, overview on how to go about picking your show. Um, this is something that I encounter with a lot of people. So the, one of the most common things that I hear from people who contact me through my website or through social media or anything like that is I want to compete. I don't have the first clue about how to go about doing it. And that always means a lot of things. Like, I don't know what my training should look like. I don't know what division is best for me. I don't know what my diet should look like. I don't know how long it's going to take. And then one other thing is I don't even know how to find what shows are available. Like I know about one because I, my friend was in one and I went to go see it. So I know about that one, but I don't know how to find other shows. So I just want to talk about all the considerations and all the factors that have to go into deciding when your first show is going to be. So we're going to pick this um, conversation up 
from the point in time where you've decided that you want to compete and that's as far as you've gotten. Like, I want to do it, now what? Okay, so um, the first thing that has to happen is there needs to be some kind of a conversation or an assessment done so that we can figure out how long is it going to take before you're ready to compete. So, um, and I, I always tell people there there isn't really a right or wrong answer for that. I've worked with plenty of you know, trainers, former colleagues, other people that I've talked to who have competed who say, you know, you need to be training for at least five years before you think about doing a show. I'm like, why? I'm pretty sure last time I checked, there are no requirements on, you know, doing a show other than you got to pay to be in it. I don't think there's anything that needs to be, needs to say like, you need to look like a national level competitor your first time out. I mean, come on, this is, you know, it, it, it's, this is something that is by its very nature inclusive. You know, you want to be a part of, this show that promotes and brings people together who have similar interests, that's part of the fun for a lot of people. So it shouldn't be exclusive by its very nature. So that being said, if someone comes up to me and they say, I, I want to compete because I want to win. First of all, I, I think that's a bad reason to want to compete um, just because it's out of your hands. I mean, all you can do is the, the only thing that is realistically a possibility is to bring a uh, level of size, symmetry, and conditioning to the stage that just makes it impossible for anybody to consider any other physique as being better than yours. That's not really realistic for most people. So saying, I want to win, I want to compete because I want to win, I, I don't think that, no, that, that's not a good reason to compete. Now, if you say, I want to win and I want to be competitive in my first show, okay, now we're talking. Um, so if, if I look at pictures and somebody is clearly like an endomorph and does not have a, a great deal of development is not genetically gifted, um, you know, does not have a good overall shape, you know, in, in not so many words, I mean, I'm, I'm not here to just, you know, rain on everybody's parade, but I want to give you a little bit of a reality check. Like, you know, you, you got an uphill climb, you know, it's going to be tough um, because, you know, just genetically, you, you were not dealt a good deck. That doesn't mean that you can't work around it, but you're going to have to work harder and be more consistent and you're going to have to do it for a longer period of time than somebody who is genetically gifted. And to be clear, um, a lot of people compete because they are genetically gifted and it kind of comes a little bit easier to them. So that's kind of what you're up against if, if you put, would put yourself in that category. It's not that you can't work around it or you can't overcome it, but you're going to have to work a little bit harder for sure. So it's always good to get an evaluation like that because if somebody says, they, they come to me and they're, they're not genetically gifted, so they're not, you know, walking around, they're already lean, they don't have a great deal of development or anything like that, and they come to me and they say, I want to compete and I want to be competitive in my first show. Okay, great. We are going to have like a two or three year roadmap to look at then, if that's the goal. Now, if it's more like, you know, I, I enjoy training, I, I want to compete and I want to get up on stage and I want to see what it's like and I want to use that to help set the stage for a longer competitive career. Okay, we can probably rush it a little bit because, you know, I mean, there, there's nothing that says you have to be, you know, top three open class material in order to compete at your first stage. That's why these shows have novice, true novice divisions, etc. So I certainly think there's a lot of value in putting in a good deal of work. So I have, I have worked with people um, that will come to me, and I, I always tell people as a coach, um, I'm going to be honest with you, um, but everything is, you know, everything is uh, decided democratically. It's not a dictatorship. And so I have certainly worked with people that clearly need more time 
but they say, you know, well, I, I really want to do this show. It's really my only chance because after this, I'm, you know, I'm joining the Peace Corps or whatever, I mean, whatever the reason is. I mean, some of them are stupid. Some of them are valid. Um, but if you tell me, like, this is the show, this is my one shot, I'm going to be like, okay, this is a bad idea. It, you're, this is not going to be a fun process. We're going to have to push really hard in order to get you ready for it. Um, you're going to be undersized. You're not going to be as lean as we want. Knowing all of that, do you still want to try it? Do you still want to do it? And if they say, yeah, I want to do it, I want the experience. All right, cool. It's your ass on the line, not mine. <laughs> and it's, it's not a situation where I will say, okay, that's fine. I'll help you with this, but don't tell anybody you're working with me. I've never said that to anybody, and I never will. That is just a, a horrible mindset for a coach. I think you put all the cards on the table and uh, let, let somebody know what the expectations are going to be. And if they still want to go through with it, great. Awesome. And, you know, don't put me in a position where I have to say, I told you so at the end, you know, <laughs> as long as, as long as we know what the expectations are, they're clearly laid out, then it's all good. And, you know, it's not to sell somebody short and say, well, you know, it's not a, not an opportunity for me to say, I told you it was going to suck. And I told you you weren't going to come it, No, it's going to be like, we're going to do the best we can. And the show's going to come and go, and we will have done the best we can. Now, if all of these things are true, and we've got a short time frame, and you know it's it's suboptimal, it's like we're not, you know, we don't have enough size to be competitive. We're not uh, going to be conditioned enough to be competitive just because there isn't enough time to to do it. Um, and you put in kind of a lousy effort on your prep. That's going to piss me off. That 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 is something that is just not okay. It's like come on, and I will tell you at every step of the way, this is not good enough. This is not good enough. I need more. You know, we have little time. You, we've got eight weeks to get ready for this show that you said you had to do, and realistically, we needed sixteen to twenty. And then you're half-assing your prep. This is not gonna cut it. This is not gonna good. Not good. And I would recommend. I'm like, if it's not too late, you know, I would strongly consider backing out because you're setting yourself up for a bad experience. So I don't want anybody to have a bad experience. But the whole point of this discussion is there needs to be some kind of an assessment so you can get a clear idea of how long you, how much time you should be factoring in before you think about getting up on stage. In most cases, you know, it's minimum 16 weeks. For a first show, prep is typically longer than 16 weeks. And some of that is not necessarily going to be a dieting or a cutting phase, but um, a little bit of a, a growth, a metabolic rebalancing phase, you know, trying to get your metabolism squared up, um, especially if you've been, you know, dealing with, you know, a really poor diet, um, a damaged metabolism from under eating, from doing too much cardio for years, etc. There could be a lot of work that has to get put in on the front end before we can jump into prep. Um, if you're undersized and you recognize that and you're willing to listen to somebody that will tell you that as well, then yeah, recognize we might need a year of growth or so before we jump into this, you know, maybe two years, anything's possible. It just it depends on you know, I, I want somebody to set the expectations for me. Like, tell, tell me what you want to get out of this show, and then I'll tell you. And if somebody says, I want to do one local show, I want to get nationally qualified, and then I want to do a national level show, and I want to win my pro card at that first national show. So I want, to, I want to be an IFBB pro in the fewest steps possible. I want to do local show, national show, and then be a pro. Be like, okay, let's have a serious talk about your genetic potential. <laughs> let's look at the division that you're in, look at what kind of steps might be necessary in order to be competitive at that level, and then let's talk how many years it's going to take. Because unless you are 
extremely genetically gifted, it's not going to happen without a lot of work on the front end. Um, but again, if it's like, this is a bucket list, you know, I want to do this before my 50th birthday, which is, you know, um, in November. Okay, great. Well, let's look at October shows. And, and you know, again, having the discussion about, you know, it's not ideal. Um, you know, if you want to do it before your 50, 50th birthday, you can't compete in the Masters 50-plus division. So maybe after your 50th birthday, kind of like a belated present to yourself, that might be a better idea. I don't know. Um, just because that's a big deal, going from Masters 40-plus to Masters 50-plus. If you're right on the edge of that, I, I would wait if it were me. Um, but, you know, the, the expectations are different for something like that. So the first thing is, first thing to consider is big picture time frame. What are we looking at? You know, months, years, decades, probably not. <laughs> if it takes decades, there's something wrong with your process, I think. But that's the first consideration is uh, how much time, big picture, will it take? The second consideration is one of geography. Where are you located? Where are the shows located? There are certain hot spots in the country where there are a lot of shows. And sometimes there's a lot of shows because it's a really big area to cover. Like if you look at Texas, there are a lot of shows. But just because you live in Texas and there's a show in Texas doesn't necessarily mean it's a realistic or viable option. It's a big-ass state. So, you know, I, I'm not an expert on te Texas geography, but I know it can take a long time to get from, I don't know, San Antonio to Dallas maybe. something like that. I should probably pull up a map so that the, all the people listening in Texas Texas don't think like, man, this guy has no clue what he's talking about. I don't. I freely admit that. I have no clue what I'm talking about. But um, Texas has a lot of shows. Something like Florida. Again, a fairly big state, but man, there are a lot of shows in Florida. So, And that's whether you live in northern, central, or southern Florida. So the Orlando-Tampa area, a lot of shows. Miami area, ton of shows. Up uh, north, like Jacksonville, fewer shows. There's still a lot of good options up there. Plus, you've got Georgia, South Carolina um, that are all you know potentials to explore as well. It depends on how large your travel radius is, and that's something that you have to decide for yourself. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of people like, I don't want to stay at a hotel if I travel or show, okay, well that really limits you, especially if you're in, you know, Fargo, North Dakota. Um, you're going to have a tough time finding a show that meets those criteria. Um, uh, and I, ha I have actually worked with a client um, in the past who lived, you know, outside of the DC area. And the show was actually held at a high school that was almost literally in her backyard. Like she slept at home and she walked to the venue the next day. So, um, that that's great if you can get it, but it's uncommon. So um, think about the the where. So the when was first the the big picture time frame, um, and then the where, and then this is going to give you um, a radius that you can start to narrow things down for. Um, so we're we're looking for a, a, a show that is you know. Maybe it's a show next year. So you can start searching for shows now. The calendar for next year won't be up, but you can typically assume, and I wouldn't put all my eggs in this basket, but you can typically assume that if a show is happening this year and it's in the third week in August, it's probably going to be the third week in August next year as well. Um, it depends on how volatile the the state's uh, organization really is, especially if it's the NPC. Sometimes they're really trying to flesh out their calendar. So I know in North Carolina, there's been a little upheaval with um, sh some shows getting moved around, you know, different cities, different months of the year, et cetera. So 
Um, you know, it's it's not an ironclad lock, but it's generally a relatively safe assumption to make that if a show is in a general time frame one year, it's going to be pretty close to that same time frame the next year. And also, if you find something you're like, oh, that that that's a really good option, email the promoter. Say, hey, I'm just looking for I'm I'm uh, uh, re- reaching out and trying to identify a, a show to target for next year. Are you going to have this show next year? Is it probably going to be around the same general time frame? Just reach out. Promoters are weird ducks. Um, it's always a crapshoot as to whether or not you'll get a response from a promoter, which, you know, considering you're, you're, you're thinking about throwing money their direction, you would think that they would be ready to respond to that, but you know, not, not necessarily the case, but it's worth, worth a shot anyway. So, um, so geography is one thing and where you're located, like California is another good spot, but again, it's a big state. There's a lot of shows in California, but if you live in San Diego, you aren't going to want to do a show in Sacramento. Um, the Northeast um, concentration of states is pretty high up there. So if you live in, you know, Rhode Island, Connecticut, you know, doing a show in New York, maybe even New Jersey, not totally out of the question. You know, certainly a possibility at least. You know, even going a couple states over. Um, so it depends on where you are. If you're in the Midwest, like the Heartland. Shows are a little bit more sparse in there, and a lot of it's just because the the population centers are a little bit more sparse as well. So um, you've got lots of area where lots of people aren't living, and you're not going to find shows in those areas. So um, I think in general, uh, the pace of life in that region of the country is a little bit more, um, a little bit more. What's the right word? Um, there, there's a a little bit more um, more normal. There we go. It's a little bit more normal to expect to drive larger distances to get to something that you need if it's an event or something. So um, versus if you live in you know New York City, you know the thought of driving five hours out of the way to go to a concert. You're like, what? No. If I have to if I have to get a taxi, that's too far. I should be able to walk across the street. You know, just different different place. So. Um, just expect that in a region like that, you might have to go a little bit farther to get to um, where you want to go. And the options will probably not be quite as plentiful. So um, as we are searching for a show, now this is where we get into the specifics of where we're looking and what we're looking for. Um, you want to make a determination as to what organization you're going to compete with. And sometimes this comes down to what organization has a show at the right time. So there isn't necessarily a flow chart where we follow this order of operations. We do step one, we do step two, we do step three. It's kind of like, you know, we do step one, two, three, and then we may have to revisit two and then do step three again. And then we may have to revisit two, go to three and four, come back to three. So, you know, I, I can't give you, um, it, it's kind of like a, a flow chart that all starts in the middle and then it branches out from there rather than following a very linear pattern. So um, there'll be a little bit of double checking involved here. So what organization do you want to compete with? Um, the, the first thing to consider is, you know, either the NPC or a natural organization. And it, I, I should have prefaced this whole discussion by saying this is really for people in the United States. So Canadian listeners, other international listeners, sorry, your organizations are going to be very different. The general philosophy is the same, but this section is where I might lose you a little bit. So do you want to compete in the NPC or do you want to compete in a natural organization? That is not to say that the NPC does not have natural shows. They do. And by natural, I mean drug-tested, steroid-free shows. So um, if you are not a natural athlete, the NPC is really your only option uh, for competitive venues at the amateur level in the United States. So um, that's where you need to start. So what I would do is start by Googling name of your state NPC. 
So I'm in Tennessee. I well here. I will I will do this right now just so that we can you can play along at home and follow me on my process as I do this. So I'm going to do Tennessee NPC. Let's see what comes up. Oh, it's TennesseeBodybuilding.org. What do you know? Now, also, NPC can stand for a few things, so you might have to do name of your state, NPC Bodybuilding. But you do that, and there should be a website that comes up, and sometimes it will be a promoter's name. Um, like if you Google, I think California might be a good example. So I Google California NPC, I get a few things. So, um, you know, the first thing is uh, 2018 Northern California contest scheduled. Well, I'm in LA, that ain't gonna work. Okay, well then there's CaliforniaNPC.com. Oh, okay, that seems pretty good. So we check that out and what do we get? So contest schedules, oh, it's Northern California, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so this is the page for Northern California NPC. You're like, well, what are there just no shows in LA? Well, yeah, there is, but they're all um, they're all run by John Lindsay, and so uh, the fourth entry down here is LindsayProductions.com. So you click on that. Welcome to John Lindsay's Muscle Contest, and then you're like, oh, okay, shows, and then um, what is it? We click on shows and or enter show is what we have to do to get the list. And then you can see just in May, there's two in Southern California. Um, there's one in San Diego. There's actually two in the same day in San Diego, um, both on June 9th, um, July 7th. That's nationals, July 21st, Redondo beach, another one in, uh, I'm sorry, not a national show. This one is nationals. And then August in San Diego. I mean, there's like three pages of shows just in Southern California. So uh, just keep in mind that, you know, you type in name of your state, NPC, potentially adding bodybuilding to the end of that. You may get something that says Tennessee, bod Tennessee uh, NPC or North Carolina bodybuilding NPC. Great. NCNPC.com. Here we are. Awesome. Or it may be a promoter's website. And some, someone like John Lindsay, he's pretty much got the monopoly on Southern California. That is not the case for all areas. Like North Carolina, there's several promoters. Um, so it's not necessarily going to be any one individual's website, but it's managed by a state organization. So that is, if, if you're looking for a, uh, if you're not a natural athlete and you're looking for a place to compete, you it will, it will need to be in the NPC. So I would start there. Now, if you are a natural athlete, you can still compete in the NPC, and there are a lot of NPC shows, especially in the Midwest area, that are natural shows. And they will always be called the NPC Natural Blah Blah Blah. Like, it's always in the name. Um, that is pretty much a guarantee. So always, you know, don't take my word for it. Read the fine print. If you see something that says, like, 2018 NPC Southern California Championships, okay, click through there, read the fine print on the entry form, make sure you're not paying for a drug test or anything like that. You know, you, uh, you, you don't want to compete in a drug-tested show if you, are, uh, if you are not natural. Otherwise, you're just scum, so don't do it. Or you made a mistake, an honest mistake. Pretty rare that that happens, though. Um, so if you are a natural athlete, there, there, you can compete in any NPC show you like. Just realize it might not be a level playing field. Um, or if you find an NPC natural blah, blah, blah show in your area, in your region, that is within striking distance um, as far as time and geography, that is a great option as well. Otherwise... What I would strongly recommend doing is going to naturalbodybuildingevents.com. Click on events by state and then search your state. And depending on where you are, 
any other states that are within reasonable driving distance and develop a list of all of the shows that are practical. Start with geography and then narrow it down by time frame. Because, you know, it could be, you know, like, I'm never going to drive six hours to a show. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. If I'm looking to compete, I'm not going to pick a show that's six hours away, especially because I know there's one in town where I could stay at home and, you know, stay here and do that one. Great. That tells me that August is my month to compete. I'm going to build some things around that. Um, so I, I'm never going to go more than a certain distance away from home. Now, maybe you would, but I'm not. So for me, then the, the date has a lot more flexibility. If I'm planning ahead, you know, if there's a show in November or a show in August, well, I'm doing my planning in January or February, so that doesn't really matter. I could do either one of those. You know, I've got I've got time to to plan ahead for it. Um, if it's June and you're like, oh, should I do a show in December or a show in August? Well, it's already June, so that show in August, you should already be in the middle of prep for it, realistically. So it's probably too late for that. Um, so I, I consider um, geography to be a little bit more ironclad, a little bit less flexible. The date is a little bit more flexible because I'm a planner also. And when it comes to competing, you really should be a planner as well. If you don't, if you find it's it's difficult for you to plan ahead, that is a good sign that you should enlist the help of someone like a coach to help you plan that stuff. It will be a big, big, big help. So um, naturalbodybuildingevents.com, events by state, check your state and any other surrounding states that are reasonable and just write down things like in a note, send an email to yourself that has these in them so you can look through them. Um, and uh, also NPC, your state, and then potentially bodybuilding as well, and look at what the options are there. So, um, And again, as a natural athlete, you can still compete in the NPC, any show, just it may not be a level playing field. So geography and the organization that you want to compete in, they're kind of related, and you need to consider both of those as you're searching through the options for available shows. Um, other options, uh, other, other things to consider, your calendar, your personal calendar. And so this goes back to you know, the time frame as well. Um, prep is hard. Prep is hard. If you travel a lot, that, that is throwing what I would say is probably an unnecessary degree of difficulty into your prep, especially if they are voluntary trips like vacations. If you're traveling for business, okay, that's a different thing, but that just tells me that you need to be really good at traveling and taking your show on the road with you. We've talked about that before as well. We'll talk about it again in the future, I'm sure. Uh, that That's a, a separate consideration, um, but things like events. If you've got weddings, anniversaries that you really go all out to celebrate, um, you know, things like that. If, if you're an accountant, I wouldn't do a show in the beginning of April, you know, it, it, because that is the, the absolute worst time for work for you leading into tax day. Um, you know, if you are, uh, if you run a landscaping business, you know, when your busy times are, that is not when I would plan on being in prep, you know, plan on doing prep during your downtime, during your, your, um, out of season time, basically, so for 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 work. So consider that. Now, for me, my busy time uh, because I'm a prep coach is when everybody else is prepping. So <laughs> that means, well, you know, uh, towards the end of the year, you know, December rolls around. There's not as many people in prep. Uh, you know, I, I still have a very similar client load during those times, but it's not quite so much daily contact with as many people. So I've got a little bit more time. Uh, but again 
people aren't in prep for shows because there aren't any to be in prep for. So that doesn't really work for me. Um, but if you do have seasonal work or work that fluctuates, um, just keep in mind that your, your off season or your downtime is a great time to be in prep um, because there will be a lot of cardio to do. Um, you know, you're, you're lifting needs to be pretty much non-negotiable. So if you're like working late, oh, I missed a workout. And no, that does not happen when you're on prep. Stop it. Uh, I mean, uh, more than rarely, you know, every now and then, sure. If it's happening weekly or more than once a week, no, that is that does not happen on prep. Uh, and another thing to consider is uh, budget. You know, a lot of this stuff is is not cheap. You're gonna have to kind of save up for it a little bit, especially women. Your suit. Um, there are cheap ways to go about doing it. Um, you can buy a used suit off somebody. You can you know not get a custom design suit, but just get something off the rack. That's a possibility. You can um, you know bling it out yourself. I've known plenty of people who have done that as well. Um, but there are other expenses. So the suit is the big one. You know, tan hair and makeup. Those add up, um, especially if you're paying for all of those and not doing them yourself or having a friend do them. I know that's fairly common for hair and makeup for tanning it's worth it to invest in the spray tan for the show just because it's it's so much easier than having to worry about it yourself um do you have to pay for a hotel based on where the show is is it a show that you're flying to um you know a lot of people they have they don't want to compete around home or they have family that lives further away they want to go compete closer to where their family is so they can come and see okay cool um you got to pay for the show registration as well as any crossover fees you've got to pay for your organizational membership card whether you're paying the ocb or you're paying the npc you know that's a card that can run anywhere from 50 to 140 dollars um and it's not a one and done so if you do multiple shows you'll be able to reuse that but it is another thing worth considering. Um, food, gym memberships, coaching, all that stuff. Um, you know, it, it adds up. So think about when the show is. And, and also, you know, you buy a suit. It's an investment. If you're going to compete many times, that, uh, you know... I forget the accounting term for that, but uh, you you will uh, you will get a lot you can get a lot of mileage out of that suit. Some people think, oh, that was last year's suit. I need a new one for this year. No, you don't. I mean, you might want a new one. You don't need a new one. I've I've known women who have used the same suit for ten years. Um, you just got to be careful with it. You got to treat it like it's an investment, which is what it is. So. Um, the, the budget can throw people for a little bit of a loop, especially with a lot of these expenses. If you aren't expecting them, they can come in at the last minute. You're like, oh crap, I got a lot of stuff to take care of here. So, um, be mindful of that, be aware of it. And, you know, maybe push the show out a little bit. If you, if you've got an account that you're like putting, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month into to pay for show expenses, just make sure you give yourself time so that all those expenses are covered. So, um, that's pretty much it. So time frame, you know, the, 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 when, um, big picture and little picture, like, you know, how many years out do we need to be planning for? And then when during the calendar year is the best time for you, given your other commitments, work, um, you know, vacation, that kind of stuff. Um, where geography, uh, are, are you going to be searching in just one state or are there many states that you can be looking through the organization NPC or a natural organization? Is it a natural show or a, uh, show that is not drug tested? Uh, and then, uh, in addition to your personal calendar, also your, your budget, just make sure you're planned for it. So hopefully that gets everybody start everybody in the U S started in the right direction as far as identifying the show that is the best fit for you. Time to wrap it up. Closing thoughts. You know, trying to wrap up episode 50, I'm thinking about, uh, boy, I just kind of reflect back on what the, the first 50 episodes of this have been like, and I, I won't lie to you. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, 
I, this is a one-man operation. I don't have a production staff or anything like that. I know what you're saying right now. Like, Darren, we know. This is clearly amateur hour, okay? It's obviously just you. <laughs> like, okay, point taken. But it, it's, it's an interesting process, putting a show like this together every week or, you know, maybe every other week when I'm slacking. Um, because oftentimes I'm flying by the seat of my pants and I'm like, what on earth am I going to talk about? I don't know. And it's the same thing if I go to make a social media post. Like, I haven't posted anything on Instagram in a couple of days. What am I going to talk about? I don't know. But I, the thing is, I've got, you know, clients who are feeding me questions and potential topics all day long, every day. Um, so invariably, something always comes up. And the one thing that I, I've come to realize over the course of these 50 episodes is that um, there's always something to talk about. There, there always is. And you, the, the audience out there, is uh, a, a part of figuring out what that's going to be as well. So uh, your input, your feedback, your questions, suggestions, thoughts, complaints, I would prefer to say constructive criticism, always welcome. So thank you for that. Um, so the, the, the one thing that I take away from these first 50 episodes is that, you know, the next 50 will be probably a little bit easier and they should be better as well. I feel like these have been getting better as we go along. Um, I'm kind of refining what things need to look like. Everything just matures a little bit. And, you know, I'm trying to force it to mature as well. It's not a passive process. You know, I put a lot of thought into um, the format of the show, the structure of it, etc. So anyway, uh, basically just um, I'm looking forward to what the next 50 will bring. So thank you all for being a part of the audience, for being part of the community to make this happen. So um, again, your responsibility as a member of this community right now, I would just say go to my website and vote. <laughs> Fivestarphysique.com. Vote on the poll. Tell me about uh, how passive aggressive you are or aren't. And uh, if you are, hey, you know, you're in, uh, well, I won't say good company, but you're least in company with me. So um, once again, you know everything on social media. Just, you know, whatever your platform of choice, search for Five Star Physique. Or if you're on Twitter, it's Darren Star. If you're on Instagram, it's Darren underscore Star. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Appreciate it. Check in with you next week.